hey, you know what? Life is hard sometimes, but I don't have to tell you that. It's also very good. Again, no newsflash there. But one of the things that can make it so hard is the fact that there is so much good. And, well, sometimes we have to let go of good things. And that's when we find ourselves in a season of loss. Now, if that's you or maybe someone you know, you want to stick around and listen to today's conversation on the Isle of Misfits because it's a hard talk, but it's good. So keep listening. So even though here on the Isle of Misfits, we wear that term as a badge of honor, I'm not going to call today's special guest a misfit. No, that's her call. But I will say that what she has to share with us today is something that any misfit worth their salt can relate to. And that is the topic of dealing with loss. Whether it's the loss of a relationship, a job, a home, health, whatever, our guest today is Ashley Slater, and she is here to talk with us about her own experiences with some of these things, which she writes about in her brand new book called Breathing Sorrow Together, The Transformative Power of Faith and Community When Life is Hard. So welcome, welcome, Ashley. We're so glad you're here to talk with us today. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. So I think a lot of us, misfits or not, whoever we are, I think we can all relate to this topic in one way or another because, you know, as the saying goes, you know, we're either dealing with something hard, loss, or we're about to deal with some kind of loss. Right. And, you know, I have found that... When I tell my stories of loss, normally somebody else has a similar story, and they're very eager to share it. It's almost like we all carry around this burden and this heaviness of I've, I've gone through this, and I need someone to hear that I have, and I need them to know what I've you know, come out of it learning or how it's impacted me. Um, and it seems like if we're the one who's brave enough to come out and share our story, that other people quickly join in. Um, and I love that because I think that creates such a community of me too. You know, I get it. Yes, yes, because these, these things, they're heavy. Like you said, they're heavy burdens, and we're not meant to carry them alone. So, and I want to talk about that because I think that's really important. Um, you talk about a special season that you had. Um, I think you refer to it as the weeping years. Tell us about that. Yes, that started in 2010. Um, and, you know, when it started, we didn't realize that we'd look back and call it the weeping years because you often don't realize you're going to be hit with a lot of things one after another. But um, it started in March, we, March of that year. Um, we went in for just a routine. I was pregnant. We went in for a routine. Let's listen to the heartbeat, you know, exciting appointment. And we get there and they can't find a heartbeat. And this is my fourth, it was my fourth pregnancy, so I already had mm -hmm. three daughters, um, and they couldn't find it, and, you know, they're like, it's okay, sometimes you can't hear it this early, um, but they eventually moved us into the ultrasound room, and that's when we found out um, that our baby had died, um, and had actually, mm -hmm. it, it, I'd been carrying the baby for like five weeks and not known. Um, my body mm -hmm. just hadn't um, miscarried on its own at that point. I, um, so we had that happen, and I have always struggled with fear at some level, but I never had like panic attacks or that sort of thing before this. And there was something about going through that miscarriage and just the lack of control and, you know, this new thing of, 
okay, I know God's good, but wait, he, you know, he will allow things like this to happen. <laughs> you know, how do I deal with that? I feel mm-hmm. completely out of control. Um, I started having panic attacks and irrational fear um, and ended up going on. Uh, my doctor suggested I go on antidepressants because I just couldn't. I couldn't function. So I went ahead and did that. And so you know, I've got the miscarriage. I'm having panic attacks. Um, and then my husband loses his job. Mm. Um, and that was, he, lo- he loved this job. So that was really, really difficult. Um, and so he's, he's trying to find um, a new job. And we're, we can't find one locally. So we're going to have to move. And we can't sell our house. And so he, he moves to Chicago for a couple months and lives in his uncle's basement. Well, I'm back at home with the kids trying to sell the house and the house is not selling and he's coming home a couple times a month and we finally And where, finally, where was home for you? Oh, Colorado Springs. I should have Colorado mentioned that. Springs. So, yeah, okay. we were in Colorado Springs. Um, and so we finally all move up to Chicago even though we can't sell the house and that job ends up not working out and so we have to move again. And so it was just, mm-hmm. it was just like... Loss after loss after loss right. in the two-year peri- period, and it was mm-hmm. like every time we felt like we were starting to pull ourselves off the ground, we'd get knocked down again, mm-hmm. like waves. And that, yep. Yeah, and you know, you hit this point where you're just weary, and you're just like, mm-hmm. Lord, I just need some rest. Can I please have some rest? Yeah. So it was very yeah. difficult. Oh yeah, I yeah, two years of of wave after wave, and you you know, you spoke of this anxiety and feeling. You know, feeling out of control because there's one there's one thing you talked about very early on about being pushed to move forward when you're not even close to ready. You know, like well-meaning friends that that try to help you make sense of things because that's what we do, right? We try to make sense. Well, why is this happening? Well, okay, maybe I'll feel better if I can come up with an explanation. So, talk a little bit about that about having you know that permission to grieve. Yes, it was it was really interesting because. I think I discovered that at a new level following the miscarriage because I'm the type of griever who I feel things very deeply. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to feel this, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm not going to bury it. I'm not going to push it off. So I was very, I mourned very deeply and, yeah, very publicly also. And with that comes well-meaning people who try to fix it for you and try to tell you things like, well, look at this person who went through a miscarriage like 10 years ago and look at all the wonderful things God has done in their lives. And I'm thinking, no, 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 this is a legitimate loss and it's okay for me to grieve it and it's okay for me to feel sad right now and you need to let me. So I deeply appreciated the people who were like, yeah, go ahead, cry, mourn, do what you need to do. How can I join you in it and help you in it rather than those who kind of you know, well, God works everything out for good. And I'm like, you know, I can't hear that right now. I, I need to just be told this stinks and let me feel the depth of it. Um, and I think that our culture, we live in a very rushed culture and a very, you know, fast culture. And how can we um, push people out of their grief because then we feel more comfortable and we fix the situation. But you can't fix grief. You've got to kind of live with it for a while. Oh, I think you put your finger right on it. Yeah, we, we want to fix things. We, we don't like to not feel in control. That just goes against all of our American values. Um, you know, we want to be the, the captain of our fate, right? Um, right? But, you know, grief has its own schedule. And grief even has its own way of, 
of having its way when even when our, our bodies or, you know, our mind says, nope, I'm going to keep moving forward, I'm not going to think about this, or whatever it is that we do to try to get over it ourselves. And our body will say, nope, we're not going to do that, you know. And, and I think that's where, where things like, you know, like you, like you talked about, even having maybe a certain amount of anxiety, like physical things can manifest when we're not dealing with grief outwardly. Right. And I think it's interesting, too, to note um, that we don't all respond to grief in the same way. You know, we might, all, the, all those losses we went through over those two years, my husband and I did not respond to them all in the same way. We grieve very differently from each other. And I think one thing that I'm learning is not to expect other people to grieve in exactly the same way I do. You know, I might not understand their process or, you know, how they respond to even a similar loss, but the best thing I can do for them is to support them in the way they need to process it and not expect them to process it identically to me. I think yeah, that gives that people is, freedom. And you're right. That is so important because, yeah, we do. We do all, we all, you know, just like we all have different personalities. We're all wired different. Some people are talkers by nature. Some people are not. Um, and I think sometimes the talkers think that that's the best therapy. Well, if I can just get them to talk about it, well, maybe it's not time to talk about it. Or, you know, maybe my body is telling me slow down and that's okay because, you know, that, that just means that what you, you know, there's so much truth in what you're saying that we need, we need to find what's right for us and, and God knows what's right and, and he will walk through, through that grief with us. Um, another thing you talk about is Finding your people. There, there's two concepts, actually. I'm going to back up a little bit because obviously this is a book about grieving, about loss, but it's also, you say, it's a book about community. And these two concepts are not necessarily intuitively linked together. In other words, when we think of grieving, we think of loss, you know, we think of, of dealing with, with sorrow, it often feels very isolating, right? It's, it's a personal pain and nobody can get inside of my head. But yet, that's also the very time that we need community. So talk to me about what you learned about the need for community. Yes, I have found that there is such power in what our, our pastor at our church did a sermon series on this a couple of years ago, but me too, in saying me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as I've grieved different losses and I've pushed myself out of the fear of sharing those losses with other people and how they might respond. You know, are they going to try to fix it for me? Are they going to try to push me to grieve faster than I could? I mean, those are fears that keep us from sharing with people. They're not going to understand. They're going to judge me. But when I push myself past that and I find people that I trust um, and I share what I'm going through and what I'm feeling and they look at me and they say, oh, you struggle with anxiety and panic panic attacks? Me too. I've been there. I get it. I understand how hard it is. And this is how, this is what I'm doing to work through it. Or this is how God has encouraged me. Or have have you heard this song or or read this passage in scripture? Because it's helped me. Um, So when we open ourselves up to other people and share what we're going through, we allow them to enter into our grief and encourage us and walk alongside us. And it's a lot less lonely. Um, And sometimes they can speak gentle truth and gentle encouragement to us that we might not even think of. Um, They can also meet practical needs. I mean, we've had people, after a miscarriage, um, Ted had a coworker, and as soon as they heard, they brought us pizzas because they were like, you know, we have been through this. You have three other kids you still have to take care of. We know you're in shock. We're going to meet this practical need or 
we've had friends come and help pack. You know, I'm going to come and help you pack your stuff. Um, so when you involve the community, it helps emotionally. It helps practically. Um, there's just so many benefits. Um, but I think sometimes we let fear keep us from reaching out. Oh, absolutely, because it's the very thing that we long for, right? We, we want, we really do. We're wired for community. We're wired to belong. Um, but there is a risk there. It, it can be a little scary because that means I have to be vulnerable. And back to this, you know, the issue that you, you know, spoke of earlier, like just being out of control. When you're grieving, it, nothing feels like it's under your control. And to invite other people into that is a little risky, and yet... The, what's the alternative is to go through it ourselves, and yeah, that's that's pretty lonely, and we're not we're not meant for that. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at scripture, I mean, Jesus, he, he's God. He could have come to Earth and done everything by himself, but he he created a community. You know, he had close friends. You know, even within the twelve disciples, he had three that were even closer to him. And you know, when he went in the garden, he and went up to pray. He took them up with him and said, "Watch with me." You know, pray with me. So, I mean, if Jesus shows that community is important, then it should be important for us too. Right? Yeah, yeah. He kind of kind of sets the example and. So, all right, so let's just get real. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just raise my hand and say you too, because this is an issue that, that I deal with, you know, as, as, um, you know, as much as I've been around church and, you know, feel that I've had community at times, there are seasons when it's just, it's like, I know I need this and I know I want this, but how? How do I find, you, you talk about finding your people. All right, how do you find them? Where do you find them? It's hard work. It is. It is. You know what I do is I take a moment and think about, okay, my community does not have to be this grand scale event. It can be one person. So who do I know? Who do I connect with? Who may, you know, view or approach life in a similar manner to me that I think I can trust that will get this? And I confide in them. You know, I mean, it might be baby steps. It might be sending a text and saying, hey, I'm having a rough day. Can you pray for me? You know, kind of feeling out the waters. But I think a good way is to kind of look around you and go, okay, who do I connect with already? Who do I trust? Who do I feel comfortable sharing this with? And starting, starting mm -hmm. small. Yeah, I think that's great advice because sometimes it can be so overwhelming. Like, you know, you think, all right, well, okay, community commence, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. You know, you, you don't snap your fingers and find a group of 10 to 15 people. It might just be, yeah, it might just start with that one person. And I think the challenge is being open to, all right, God, this is what I need. This is what I think it will look like. And then being open to God saying, okay, yeah, but it's not going to look like what you think. It may be the person that you never would have guessed, you know, that for whatever reason, you know, we, we all have this idea, this profile in our mind of, Anything, you know, anything that we just concoct these pictures, but sometimes God will, will bring a surprise to us. Like, you had no idea that you needed this person who, on the outside, you know, is, is not exactly like you, but I'm going to bring that person into your life anyway to show them, to show them and you how, how much you actually do have in common and how much you do depend on me. Right, and I, I think you have to have a grace to, you have to bring grace to the process. You have to go, just like I'm imperfect, they're imperfect, and they might not say everything I want to hear or say it perfectly, but if their heart is towards me, you know, and their intentions are good, 
then I'm going to give grace, even if maybe they say this, this one thing that rubs me the wrong way. You know, not dismissing people just because they don't meet you in your grief perfectly. Exactly, exactly, because as you said, we're all wired differently, we all grieve differently, we all deal with life as it happens differently, but there's something we can learn from each other. So that, that actually got me wondering, just, you know, you talked about how you and your husband both grieve differently. Obviously, you're married, you love each other, so that's, that question is settled, and yet you have dealt with some of these issues very differently. So here's my question for you. What have you learned from watching how your husband deals with loss? That's a good question. That's a very good question. I'm going to get a little emotional here because mm. um, I feel like my husband and I are different in a lot of ways, but in ways that are good for each other. Um, and like it was, I think it was last summer. We've had quite, it's been quite a crazy year, but last mm. summer his dad died. Mm. Um, he had a he had a, a brain tumor, and I kind of waited to see how Ted would grieve um, because um, in the past I've always. Like back when we went through our miscarriage, I thought, okay, he doesn't really deal with it. He, he doesn't deal with the grief because he's not a talker like I am, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized this time I watched him and his first response was, how can I help my stepmom? What can I do for her that is going to ease her burden? So his, his response to grief is, yes, I'm feeling pain, but so is this person that I love. Um, and how can... I be there for them and help them through it. And to me, I mean, it's such a beautiful example of community, you know, and grieving together and braving sorrow together. So I Mm -hmm. think watching him is teaching me not to get so wrapped up in how I feel and how the the grief is impacting me, but to, to also look around and go, okay, who else is going through the same thing right now and how can we support each other um so it's he's good for me he's very good for me um, and isn't it wonderful the way god does bring into our lives through our spouses and you know through the other people in our lives but especially if we're if we're blessed to to be married that often our spouses have what we need right have having a something that that's different from us that we can learn from it's iron sharpening iron and i love how god does that he he puts two people together that have what the other needs Exactly. Yeah. So, and here, here. All right. So, let me just guess. I don't know if this is this is accurate, but just knowing what you just told me about your husband, I would almost guess that he might operate in that love language of acts of service for people. He does. You know, he does. It's funny Mm -hmm. because he will be like, we have we have four daughters, and they all dance. So we spend a lot of time going back and forth to dance. It's kind of a crazy season. And he'll be like, okay, who can I pick up a dance tonight for you? What do you need me to do? And sometimes he'll look at me and go, this is how I'm reminding you of my love for you this week is by helping you out, picking up the kids. Mm-hmm. And I so appreciate it. Yeah. So you, you, you uh, figured that out well. <laughs> Well, you know, and I, I think the truth is we, we grieve the way we live, right? We all have our love languages, you know, which, you know, the whole concept of some people um, it's acts of service, for some people it's words of affirmation, for some people it's touch. And, and I think because we're living a life, you know, and through one or several of, of those expressions, it's going to come out during hard seasons, right? That's yeah. the way we're wired. And what do you think he's learned from you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think he's learned, he's a fixer. Um, 
he likes to try to fix things. And I think he's learned as we've, we've grieved things together over the years that sometimes you can't fix it. You just have to listen and you mm-hmm. just have to be there and mm. bring home chocolate because sometimes you just mm. need to sit on the couch and eat chocolate, you know? That's true. That, you know what, that, I'm not saying it fixes anything, but it sure does help. Yeah. Well, well that is a great, that's a great balance that you've got going there, um, complementing each other. So, Ashley, I have, I have one more question for you. Um, I'm thinking about people that are listening right now, and what would you say to someone who is right now in the midst of, of a loss or something really hard without even the benefit of even to know where to begin to process what they're feeling or, or not feeling. What, what do you say to this person? Like, how do you move forward? <sighs> I mean, the first thing I want to say is I'm sorry. It stinks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I don't, you know, that's such a, it's a tough question because when, when I went through, you know, when I've gone through losses, I just need to be, you know, I just need to let, have people just let me be and feel it. So I think I would encourage them to just feel it, you know, mm-hmm. acknowledge mm-hmm. that this loss is what it is and it does hurt and it isn't fun and it's okay to feel that. You don't have to be super spiritual right now. You don't have to pretend like you're braver than you are. You know, go ahead and mourn and cry. Um, but also, you know, as you're ready, invite people into that. Let people support you and help you and encourage you. So, yeah, I think I would just encourage them to grieve. Go ahead and feel it. I think that's really profound and important advice because it goes back again to what you said earlier, having permission, permission to grieve. And, you know, even the way I phrased the question wasn't really fair. I think I said something about moving forward. And, you know, sometimes we don't have to move forward. We can just be, as you said, just just to be and let God move us forward when it's time. Yeah, and I like to think about, I think about, and I think I wrote this, I'm not a journaler, like I don't journal, but um, following my miscarriage, I did journal. That's like the one time I've journaled. And I was looking through that recently, and I think there's a point, you know, Moses in the, in the wilderness, you know, Moses died. And eventually God said to Joshua and people, okay, Moses is dead. You know, eventually he said that. But I think, and so they needed to move on at that point or start moving forward. But I think there's this point before that where it's okay. You don't need to move forward. You can sit in your grief and you can feel it and not feel rushed. And God will eventually slowly bring you to a place where you're not going to go back. You know, there's no returning to what the old normal was before a loss. There's a new normal. You know, things change. Um, And he'll help you start moving into that as you're ready. But just take your time before then. Yes, I think that that is so important. Um, such such encouraging words, such um, and and hopeful words, but without sugarcoating it. Um, Ashley, so appreciate you sharing a part of your story, but there's so much more. So I want to encourage people to pick up a copy of this book, whether it's for you or somebody that you know that is dealing with a loss um, and that needs words of encouragement, not platitudes, not oh, you know, just buck up, buckaroo, but 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 real, you know, real words from a real person who's gone through some of these real things. So. Ashley, tell us how we can uh, get a hold of your book. Well, it is available on Amazon, but you can go to ashleyslater.com, and there'll be info about the book there, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and different social media from there also. 
Okay, and I will say I did take a peek at your website. It's a great website, by the way, and there's oh, lots of um, oh yeah, it's lots of good stuff there. Um, great articles, blogs, and I just encourage you to check that out. Um, you spell Ashley A S H L E I G H Slater S L A T E R dot com. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay, and I'll have it. Um, I'll have it also in print to go with this podcast so that people can just click on it as well. Um, but Ashley, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate your transparency and your wisdom in sharing your story with us. Oh, well, thank you. It's been a joy to be here. Isn't it great to just have permission to be honest in difficult seasons? Thanks so much to Ashley for that reminder and for the wisdom you shared in helping us all deal with loss. Now, if you want to delve deeper, I highly recommend picking up her book, Braving Sorrow Together, which you can find at her website, ashleyslater.com, or anywhere you get your books. If you're feeling at all chancy, you can also subscribe to isleofmisfits.com, that's I-S-L-E of misfits.com, for a chance to win Ashley's book, and some other pretty fabulous prizes that I will send to your door in one basket of random awesomeness at the beginning of December. Oh, and if you get someone else to subscribe and let me know about it, I'll enter both of your names. Oh, oh, yeah, and you know what? I never talk about Facebook. You can find Isle of Misfits on Facebook as well, and any shares of articles or podcasts there will get you entered as well. So, yeah, there you go. Let's keep spreading the good news of owning our awkward and loving our fellow misfit.